Well, good morning. Welcome to Brighton Road. I'm delighted to greet you. And as we gather together to worship God, it's great to see you here and great to see those of you, well, I can't see those of you joining us online, but it's good to have you with us remotely. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. We gather to worship God this morning. But firstly, there is a special treat for those of you who really enjoy notices. And uh, no expense spared, Judy's going to come and bring us a notice. Thank you, Judy. some introduction, isn't it? It's not that exciting. First of all, I want to say thank you to all of those of you who responded to the worship questionnaire we had earlier in the year. One of the overwhelming bits of feedback we had from that was how much you enjoyed it when people took part from the congregation. And so what we're going to do is have a second survey that will be launched tomorrow to actually ask everyone, first of all, would you like to get involved? And if so, how? What skills and gifts have you got to share with the fellowship? And how would you like to share them? We're going to launch it via an email like we did last time to make it easy for everyone and you'll get that link tomorrow. And for those of you who perhaps prefer paper copies, they'll also be available from reception tomorrow. Here ends the notice. <laughs> Judy, bless you. Thank you. Just to say I'm going to have the call to worship in a moment. We're going to see, sing three songs and that will lead into a prayer. Then there will be an opportunity for you to take part, either by sharing a testimony or by open prayer, just giving glory to God, who is beyond all measuring and all understanding. David will have a microphone, so if you want to say something, either bellow or raise your hand and we'll bring a mic to you for you to share something or to lead us in prayer. Sorry? Use the mic, okay, so don't just bellow. Put your hand up and we'll bring the mic to you because then people online can participate. Thank you for that, David. Our call to worship is taken from the opening words of Philippians. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God gives us his grace and peace. We respond in worship, let's stand and sing Salvation Belongs to Our God.
Lord, what we can measure, we can contain. But we can't begin to contain or comprehend you. You are infinite. It's one of the reasons why you're worthy of our praise. And thank you for the infinite nature of your love towards us, that it can't be measured, it can't be contained, it can't be exhausted. Thank you for taking us up into your love. Thank you that your love is greater than our sin, than our failure, than our inadequacy than our shame. Thank you that in your love we find ourselves as your children. Love from before we were even born. Love for eternity. Thank you, Lord, for your love beyond measure. Open our eyes to that love again this morning. Open our hearts to receive it. Lord, we welcome you. In Jesus' name, amen. And Psalm 71.15 says, My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I know not its measure. Does anybody want to tell of God's righteousness and salvation by leading us in prayer or sharing a word of testimony this morning. If so, please stick your hand up and David will bring the microphone to you. Uh, I was yesterday in Canterbury and uh, I was looking... Sorry, that's better. Yesterday I was in Canterbury and I came up to the uh, cathedral. As I came up to the cathedral, which is enclosed by other buildings, you can't see the cathedral. But you can see the doors and they're heavy barred doors. There is a Judas gate which allows people to be thrown out of the cathedral. So as we came by, we saw the constables throwing people out of the cathedral grounds. And I thought about Jesus and how we have to have our door open to Jesus and the church open to Jesus. And it reminded me so much of the temple. The outer court of the cathedral is for the Gentiles so that they can see the glory of God and see his power because that's what the cathedral is built there for. All those stained glass windows are to tell you the story of the word of God. But we're throwing people out. We need to welcome the stranger in. We need to welcome those who hurt and who need our help. So being me, obviously I went up to the visitor centre afterwards and I said, uh, it was just outside the gate, I said to the woman, my friend isn't welcome here. And she said, who's your friend? I said, my friend is Jesus. And uh, she said, well, he can come in. I said, well, he's not welcome. He has to pay £14 to come in. Oh no, he can light a candle. But we need to be open to the world that is hurting out there. Following COVID-19, a lot of people 
are desperate. We have the answer. Please, please give that answer to a hurting world. Thank you. That business about being open to people, welcoming people, has been very much on our hearts in recent weeks. Thank you for sharing that. We mustn't put barriers up where God has taken them down. Anybody else? I just want to say that God has um, shown me his love beyond measure this week in the way he has answered prayer way beyond what I even dared to hope to think might possibly happen. Um, And my faith is very, very small, um, and yet God's love is not sort of restricted or contained by that. Only takes a mustard seed. Thank you for sharing that. Just a bit in Romans that I was reading earlier this week. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counsellor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. One more, perhaps. Um, I'd like to say a big thank you to all of you um, for the prayers and support I've had in the last 10 months. Uh, I've been ill, I've had a duck car and I've had COVID. Uh, I'm actually on the way to looking better now, but I've had so much support. Um, letters, phone calls, prayers, all sorts of things um, to help me through my illness, particularly when I had cancer. Um, I hope so, I'm much better now, but I do appreciate all that you've done. Officially, I've been a member here for 30 years now, but, uh, um, because I've moved away from the coast, I don't get here so often, but it's lovely to get here when I can. But thank you again all for, for everything. It's a joy to see you when you make it there. Thank you. Thank you all for sharing. We're going to listen to some words of testimony from the Apostle Paul now, as we, we read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 to 19. This is his personal testimony. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. And for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. Let's respond to those words by standing and singing, could we live like your grace is stronger than all our faults and failures.
needs changing, doesn't it? Coming to prayers of concern now. What in the world do you want to bring before God and ask him to change today? Dependence on fossil fuels. Self-dependence, thank you. Anything more? Ukraine. Ethiopia. There's another one over here. Yemen. And Kurdistan. Let's just spend a moment quietly looking at that list. Pray in your hearts and after a few moments I will say, Lord, thy kingdom come and we say together, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So a few moments in quiet prayer, praying for these things. Lord, we look out on a hurting world and we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we're the focus of it. What about our country, the UK, maybe Horsham? <laughs> Where do you begin? Okay. <laughs> what 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 is on our hearts to ask God to change? Sorry? Rain. Rain. Okay, rain. Thank you. Yes, for the farmers, rain. Absolutely. Yep. God. Let's bring God back in. Yep, thank you. Yes. Leadership. Mental health. Cost of living. And forgiveness. Forgiveness and misunderstanding. Okay, thank you. Let's spend a moment again, quiet prayer, bringing these things to God. Lord, we represent before you the people of our nation. And we say, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And us as a church, God's kingdom coming, what is on your heart for us? Brighton Road, or maybe I'll let you pray for the, the National Church as well. But what's on your heart? Open doors. Thank you, Michael. Yes. Anything more? Open to God's will. 
Yes. Supporting our communities. Thank you. Prayer. Open hearts. A few moments quiet, praying for our church. Lord, would you open our hearts, our minds, our doors. Send us out to support our community. In us and through us, we pray. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. not going to write anything on the chart for this but your own life in the quietness of your own heart what does God want to change what does God want to change in your life just a few moments bringing yourself to God and committing yourself into his hands Lord Jesus, amid the cacophony of noise that life throws at us, may we hear your word. My child, your sins are forgiven. Go and live well to the glory of my name and the good of all. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Stay seated. You come up. I need to listen to a, a song. I've come to be with you. Just that one shall rise. 
from God's word, the opening words of two confessed. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, 
He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ but if anyone does not have He's short-sighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour. Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, I invite you to stand and we'll sing together. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you.
Over the past few weeks, we've been thinking about and unpacking our vision for Brighton Road. We're called to be part of God's family, where anyone and everyone is made welcome and we are all equipped to live our lives for Jesus with a shared sense of unity and purpose. And today we come to the last phase of that vision, a shared sense of purpose. What are we about here? What's the point of Brighton Road? What is our purpose and function? Why are we all here? And can we all agree on that? That it's a shared sense of purpose. (laughs) I've been here more than 12 years now. And my experience of Brighton Road is that we will have as many views on what our purpose is as we have church members. So coming to an agreement on that would be a big ask indeed. But we do have a God who has a well-established track record of working miracles. So I can't give you the definitive answer about what our purpose will be, but I can share my views, my thoughts, my perspective. You may disagree with me, and that is fine. I lay no claim to being infallible. When we come together again at our church meeting in September, that will provide an opportunity for us all to give more thought to our vision, our purpose, and how that should be implemented in our planning for the years ahead. Now, in one sense, of course, our purpose finds its fulfilment in the realisation of our vision. Why are we here? Well, we're here because we're called to be part of God's family, where anyone and everyone is made welcome and we're all equipped to live our lives for Jesus with a shared sense of unity and purpose. The whole thing thing goes round and round and round. And uh, there's a sense of neatness about that. It doesn't have to be a vicious circle, because the more we go round the loop, the more we become aware of it, and the more we start to live it out, In practice, it becomes part of who we are and how we live, rather than just words on a screen that we might stumble across from time to time. But I I suspect, but maybe I even hope, that someone's going to say, well, that's all very well, but where's the output from all of that? Where's the impact? Where's the difference that we make in our world, in our town, on people's lives? It's an excellent question, and even if you weren't asking it, I'm going to answer it anyway, because that's what preachers do give answers to questions that nobody's asking. Throughout my time at Brighton Road, I think I've been consistent in saying that people matter more than programs. Who we are matters more than what we do. And I think I'd want to stand by that. During COVID, almost all our programs and activities ground to a halt. But the church did not cease to exist because it's about who we are, not what we do. So perhaps before we can answer the question, what is God calling us to do? The first question is to ask, what kind of people is God calling us to be? What kind of person do I need to be? Without good tools, a good workman is going to struggle to do a good job. In the same way, when it comes to God realising his purposes in and through us as a church, we need to step back and say, are we fit for purpose then? Are we the kind of people God can use? That's not to say that we need to be perfect before God can use us, otherwise he'd never get around to doing anything at all, because we are all, without exception, so flawed as people. But if God is going to use you to change the world, he's going to start by changing you first. And at a national level, I have to say that that's a lesson being taken on board by the Baptist Union when it comes to appointing ministers. The key question is not, how competent are you? The key question is, what's your character like? 
what kind of person are you? We'll ask that question before we start to think about what can you do. And as we turn to 2 Peter, we find him listing a series of qualities that enable us all to be fruitful and productive in God's service. Faith is the starting point. Trust in God is the basic foundation for everything else. But it's the starting point. It's not as if we can sign on the dotted line at a crusade and think, that's it now, my place in heaven is secure, I can just sit back. Faith is the first in a series of steps we are called to take in our walk with God. And Peter says, build on that trust in God with goodness or virtue, strength of character, the ability to do right things in in difficult and awkward situations. Then there is a readiness to develop our knowledge and our understanding, a prayerful reading of the scriptures. Then we have self-control. The capacity to stay calm and not be driven by our emotions, our ambitions, our desires, our circumstances, or other people's expectations, but the capacity to live our lives wisely and well. Not to be pushed around by other people or what happens to us. And to that you want to add patience and perseverance. The ability to stay the course and not give up halfway, not give in to discouragement, not to give way in the face of opposition, but to keep on going as long as is necessary. Then there's godliness, devotion to God, the regular routine of prayer and worship that ensures that everything you do is done for God by his grace in his name. Then there's brotherly kindness, expressed in a practical concern for others. And to crown it all, there's love, that unbreakable bond which binds us all together. And friends, developing these qualities requires effort. Lots of hard work, application. They don't come automatically. Peter actually goes so far as to say you will need these qualities if you're going to make it into glory. He says in verses 10 to 11, this is all about making our calling and election sure, so we don't fall by the wayside, but we are welcomed with open arms into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now those of you who have a concern, a prayerful concern for my orthodoxy, might be concerned and uncomfortable at this point because I seem to be sailing dangerously close to the wind by saying that these are the qualities you need to have in order to make it into heaven at the end. After all, this is one of the fundamental truths of our faith, that we are saved by grace alone through God's gift of his Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Lord and Saviour. And yes, that gospel truth constitutes the fundamental basis for our faith. And Peter would, would be right on board with this. After all, the letter opens with a really strong emphasis on God's grace. In his opening greeting, he says, faith itself, is God's gift. He addresses his letter to those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour have received the faith as precious as ours. The first step is God's gift to us by his grace. Then he prays that grace and peace might be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and Jesus. Grace and peace come to you through your knowledge of God. 
He goes on, everything we need for life and godliness has been given to us by God's divine power. He's called us by his own glory and goodness. He's given us his great and very precious promises. The opening words of Peter's letter are grace, grace, and more grace. But then he says, because God has been so good and generous and faithful to you, you make every effort, bend every sinew to build on that faith by adding goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness and love. The recognition that God has given us so much in Christ inspires us to respond by giving our all to him. But the focus is on the kind of people that we are, not on how busy we are. So the first fruit that God looks for from us is changed lives. And I want to say that changed lives cannot but have an impact on the world and those around us. If we live like this for God, we will be different. We will stand out. We will make an impression. Just by who we are. Putting the programme to one side for the moment. When I was in Maidstone, I was for a while responsible for the street parkers programme. And often on a Saturday night, when tens of thousands of people were coming to Maidstone for the clubbing culture there, uh, they would be there on the streets just making sure that the whole town wasn't given over to people who were fueled by as much alcohol as they could consume and a bit more on top of that. They represented the presence of Christ there. And often just by being there and observing, that was a deterrent to violence or crime that otherwise would have taken place. Don't underestimate the difference that you make simply by being there as someone who is a Christian living wholeheartedly for Christ. Your presence makes a difference in the world. You represent Christ wherever you go. Not by having a diary brimful of church events, because that means you're here within these walls, actually. You represent Christ where you go by being who you are in Jesus' name, wherever he sends you. But there still may be some of you who feel like this is a bit of a cop-out. Where is the big picture? Where is the vision for transforming our society, for making an impact, for winning souls for the kingdom? Where should we be directing our efforts as a church? What is our mission? Well, our tagline at the moment is simply welcoming you into God's family. And you might feel that's a bit bland or nice or uninspiring. But actually, I think there's a lot in that phrase, because as people, we are fundamentally relational by nature. That is how God made us. And one of the primary ways in which sin manifests its destructive power is by alienating us from each other. So we don't get on with each other, we're suspicious of each other, we don't like each other, we are isolated and alone. Sin alienates us from ourselves. We're not happy with the people that we are. We don't like ourselves when we look in the mirror. We are discontented with our identity. We are alienated from our work. We don't find it fulfilling. We find it a drain. We don't feel we get paid enough for it. 
Uh, It's something that sucks the life out of us rather than renewing us. And we're alienated from the world in which we live. Fossil fuels was mentioned earlier. We are destroying the world rather than living in harmony with it. Alienation from, from each other, from ourselves, from our work, from the world, from God, actually, is one of the prime ways in which sin manifests itself in our society today. Cuts us off. Sets us adrift. And it's in that isolation and alienation that our lives end up being directed by our own selfish desires and longings, sometimes with destructive consequences for ourselves and for others. So yes, I want to say that welcoming you into God's family is fundamentally part and parcel of our mission as a church. Because when people become part of God's family and experience what it is to have relationships marked by love and trust and forgiveness, It's then that we are changed for the better. God changes us on the inside by the Holy Spirit. But he changes us as well through the relationships that we have with others within the family of God in the body of Christ. When people are driven by anger or hurt or fear, then the results can be devastating. We are called to be a place of welcome and healing where people can find wholeness through being welcomed into God's family. So thank you, Michael, for sharing that picture earlier from the cathedral. We don't always manage it, because we are still flawed human beings, but it is our calling to be a place of reconciliation, to be a place where we reconnect with other people, with ourselves, with our work, with the world, with God. And it's as people become part of God's family that they start to develop a family likeness. And here I find myself circling back to 2 Peter again, because in verse 4, he makes it clear that God's promises are given to us so that we can escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires and come to share instead in the divine nature. We become like God. And it's as we become like God that we represent God in our community and in the world. And what is God like? Holy, good, loving, gracious, creative. He calls us to be holy, good, loving, gracious, creative. And it's as we live together as members of his family that we come more and more to share in the family likeness. Our relationships with each other are one of the channels that God uses to change us. So yes, we are about welcoming you into God's family. Because it's as you become established as part of God's family that you are changed. And as God changes you, he works through you to make a difference in the world wherever he sends you. So what is our purpose at Brighton Road? I'm going to stick with the vision for the moment. It is to welcome you into God's family so that together we can be equipped to live our lives for Jesus with a shared sense of unity and purpose. Here on a Sunday morning, we gather together to express and enjoy our relationship with God and with each other. And as we welcome others 
into that family. We can indeed say together, Jesus, in your name, we could change the world. Let's sing together. God is working his purpose. started our service with some words from Philippians, we end them, we end it with some words from Philippians as well. Paul says, and so my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God 
who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure.